0: With Long Island local news on November 28, 2022, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. Emergency dispatchers taking down 911 calls by hand, unable to use their geolocation technology for callers. Police officers radioing, radioing in crime scene details rather than emailing reports to headquarters. Office workers resorting to fax machines. Sarah maslin Near reports in the New York Times that for weeks this fall, the government of Suffolk County was plunged back into the 1990s after a malicious ransomware attack forced it largely offline. A frantic push to counter the threat hobbled the county as officials disabled email for all 10,000 civil service workers and scrubbed infected hardware seeking to stem fallout from compromised computer systems. More than two months after the attack, some of the gears that run much of Long Island are still stubbornly mired in a cyber morass. It's a situation that experts say not only reveals the county's vulnerability, but also presents an ominous warning for a nation unprepared for crippling online threats. The full scope of the damage is still emerging. Just last week, Suffolk County announced that in addition to the data it had already believed had been stolen, more personal information, including driver's license numbers, linked to 470,000 moving violations had potentially been exposed. The crisis began on the morning of September 8th, when the county's antivirus software, The system that alerts to cybersecurity threats started pinging that, according to Lisa Black, the chief deputy county executive. This indicated that the online systems that thread through more than 20 county agencies from the police department to the Department of Social Services to the Division of Soil and Water Conservation were under attack. The incursions set in motion a shutdown to thwart whatever was worming its way through the county's operating system. Today, some services in Suffolk County are still scrambled with no real sense as to when they'll be fixed. In other news, the MTA's new Omni contactless fare payment system may not be available on the Long Island Railroad until 2025, four years later than originally planned, according to project officials. Alfonso A. Castillo reports on Newsdate.com that the delays continue to mount as the MTA and the private contractor developing the new fare system work through the complexities of bringing Omni to the MTA's two commuter railroads, the LIRR and Metro North. Those and other issues in the rollout of the new fare system could drive up the project's budget by $127 million to $772 million The MTA introduced Omni in 2019 and has since completed installation of the new fare technology on all subways and buses. The technology, which aims to eventually replace the 20-year-old MetroCard, allows riders to pay their fares by tapping a bank card, smartphone, or watch. OmniFares already account for more than a third of all bus and subway rides, according to the MTA. Transit officials have envisioned OMNI, an an acronym for One Metro New York, being used across different transit agencies and modes in the region, allowing a traveler to use the same fare system to ride the LIRR, Metro North, subways and buses. And finally, Flanders residents are getting excited for one of the community's favorite holiday traditions, and that is. The lighting of the Big Duck this coming Wednesday night will mark the 34th year of the annual Big Duck Holiday Lighting Celebration, which residents and Suffolk County Parks Department officials say draws hundreds every year to the large duck-shaped structure. Jean-Paul Salamanca reports on Newsday.com that Suffolk County and Town of Southampton officials are expected to attend Wednesday's ceremony, which begins around 7 p.m. The Riverhead Middle School Choir will sing... Holiday duck carols from the main stage in Santa Claus will arrive for a visit on a Flanders Fire Department truck. After the opening festivities are concluded, the Big Duck will be lit up. This holiday lighting ceremony began in 1988, and the Flanders Big Duck first hatched in 1931. Reading the weather in Sack Harbor in honor of our next guest, David Falkowski of Open Minded Organics joining us for the Monday meditation segment underwritten by the Parish Art Museum at the bottom of the hour or maybe earlier because I see David walking up right now looking like a sunny Monday with the temperature falling to around 47 degrees by 5 p.m. Northwest wind uh, 14 to 17 miles per hour tonight mostly clear with a low around 34 degrees north wind 6 to 13 miles per hour. Right now it's 55 degrees. Uh, let's see what we've got. Eros to Athens lying in the bed we made. Uh, Anderson East lying in her arms. The apples in stereo benefits of lying with your friend. Uh, but first, free lying in the sunshine. On Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the heart of the East End. <music>
1: I'm laying in the sunshine just outside my door, dreaming of the work I should do, just lying on the Fences need repairing And money to be earned But I'd rather sit right here
0: Coming back to 1969 to freeze self-titled record for a little line in the sunshine, which will be leading us into our Monday meditation segment underwritten by Parish Art Museum. We're doing it a little early because our guest arrived early. We love having peeps in the WLIWFM studio. 51 David Falkowski of Open Minded Organics joining us for the first time. What do you think of the new digs?
2: This, this is absolutely gorgeous over here.
0: Right, and you can see the folks walking by. We love it.
2: Uh, very immersive, and here, we yeah.
0: love and we love having you. Uh, first of all, how was Vegas? You just went over.
2: Sure, I was out there for uh, MJ BizCon, which is the largest marijuana business convention in the country, as I know it. A and, lot uh, of movement. There was
0: the last time we were talking. You were having um, it was like 420 Fest, right? Yeah, and it was like just as. Prohibition was sort of ending and we were sort of being plunged into uh, sort of a a little bit of confusion because there's a lot to do and and there is a lot that has been done since then. Where are we now?
2: as far as uh, cannabis industry is concerned. So to unpack that really quick, that was out at Steinbeck Park, and that was really to uh, celebrate the passage of MURDA, the yes. MRTA, the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act here in New York, which effectively um, you know lifted the prohibitions of right. uh, cannabis use and created a uh, a pathway for cultivation and sales. But there's a
0: little bit of gray area. You know, I, I was a little confused because – uh, at first, I thought, okay, that means you can grow some plants. But then there there was definitely gray area, I mean, as recently as, as now. Correct. I mean, until there was like a gray area where it's like you couldn't technically grow until what? The, the uh, co- county growers? I don't know. You know more than me.
2: Sure. So really, this, this gray area is really more of like a, a void or a vacuum. So mm-hmm. when we passed the statute, which is a law, um, which says, uh, you know, these are your new rights. Uh, you know, these are the the new prohibitions and the things you can do. That we then need regulations right. uh, that are going to guide uh, licensure, vetting, operations of the various types of entities that are going to cultivate, manufacture, and retail. So it's really in this void where we have uh, cannabis has kind of been you know descheduled in, in New York State, so to speak. So you can walk around with three ounces of marijuana in your pocket right now, and you can have. Uh, and this is by law. Your rights by law. You can have I'm five glad pounds to, at home. I'm,
0: I like to hear this just because I want people to know what their rights are. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something, no matter what way you look at, people should know their rights, no Mo- matter
2: what it is. Most definitely. I, I think one of the most important ones for anybody to understand uh, is consumption mm-hmm. right now. Uh, so you can smoke or vape uh, cannabis anywhere you can, cigarettes. Okay. Uh, so that that was a really unique thing the, the state did is they tied smoking to smoking, period.
0: So that's and, – and and what are the technicalities there? Like technically you can't smoke what within however many feet of businesses and
2: – You know, a lot of this is going to vary from village to village, course, town to town. I mean, course. I do believe uh, right, East Hampton has true. some unique prohibitions that may be different from Sag Harbor Village. Uh, so really uh, there's a lot that's of – different
0: uh, from Riverhead. That's different from – Yeah, so as long Sound as we World
2: globally universe. understand if the sign says no smoking cigarettes – you know, you're not vaping, and that includes cannabis and tobacco. Okay. Um, and uh, obviously, no smoking in your car. Uh, right, because that's <laughs> you're your operating a motor vehicle. You know, there it is. Uh, so I don't want to give, like, a lot of legal advice, but that's, you know, the basic current situation. But you're
0: talking about you, you can ha- legally have three ounces?
2: Yeah, on your person. Okay. Yeah, and then what else? Five pounds at home. Oh. So what we need to understand now, the law... That's s- pretty lenient.
0: Five pounds is it? I mean, I couldn't fit it into my little house.
2: Well, so now let's tie it together to what's now being slowly released in the regulations, which are going to say you're going to be allowed, allowed to have home cultivation. So actually, uh, they released the guidelines, the regulations for medical home grow. Where okay. You, you can have six plants at the if house, you have et your your if medical, you medical card. right? So when you, when you look at it, a lot of people may grow just a handful of plants outdoors. And mm-hmm. if they do, they, they may have up to five pounds of marijuana at that time. So if we're going to decriminalize this largely, you, you have to make the numbers work. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to make it unworkable and just wind up perpetuating petty crimes and discriminating people that right. have been disproportionately affected through the decades. Which
0: has been the, yeah. the really is the story yeah. of prohibition. Yes. All right. So, um, and then, and then what comes next? Where, where
2: are we going? So this is actually, uh, a very exciting week uh, last week, the uh, you said there was a big drop. there was a big drop yeah I know how to get your attention yeah.
0: <laughs> well then, and then I then I looked then I clicked the link and I was like, you know what I'm gonna wait for Dave to just explain to me what sure. what it all means.
2: yeah so the you know we have the Office of cannabis management, kind of like this new branch of government and mm-hmm. uh, within it is the cannabis control board. Uh, they recently uh, did a couple of things. one, was uh, they released the long-awaited regulations? So this is; these are going to be the descriptors of how uh, licensees are vetted, how they're going to operate. Again, their various cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, retail, delivery, uh, etc. Um, notably, uh, and I say this every time, you know, democracy is not a spectator sport uh, in true no, form. This is opened up for a comment period. Okay. Uh, so there's. It's like I'm learning more and more about state politics through cannabis, go figure. Uh, it's got to be published in the state registrar. It's like uh, this official publication. Once it's there, uh, I think it's up to about a 60 day comment period where people, I, and I advise them to, to read through the regulations and make public comment. Um, it's so
0: important because yeah. when you, people don't realize that a lot of this stuff, you know, I remember uh, talking to my dad as, as a health official growing up and, and, Really, change tended to only happen when someone made a complaint to the office and said, hey, this is going on. What are you going to do about it? Well, I mean, go find
2: out. Yeah. And and so this is important because we're we're in a formative time. So now if we rewind a little bit, uh, some legislation was passed that allowed for conditional licensing. So currently, um, and if you actually rewind a little bit before that, New York State has had a medical marijuana program. Yes, they have. So technically in New York State... Uh, through a medical marijuana dispensary, also fondly called an RO, a registered organization, those are the only places you can legally purchase taxed and regulated and tested cannabis in New York State. Right. Uh, any other shop you see anywhere else that is not an RO or an extension of it thereof, that you're not purchasing legal cannabis in New York State. So that's important for people to know also.
0: You know what I thought was really interesting? You know, we talked about uh, sort of persecution in the ways that through per- prohibition – Uh, That people in marginalized community have been disproportionately affected and prosecuted by these laws. I thought it was uh, cool that New York State uh, tried to make sure that those people, people who have been prosecuted for crimes uh, for cannabis, uh, were given sort of a a first
2: uh, first first swing yes so, at,
0: at getting some of
2: these licenses and and so what that looks like uh, are these conditional licensures so the first round right to prop up a supply chain was to develop cultivation capabilities which uh, many farms had already largely developed under the hemp program we had since 2018 in New York and then also the processing and manufacturing capabilities so for the state that was a little bit easier of a lift to kind of v- sort through a limited amount of folks that are able to meet production requirements, right. uh, establish... You've been, you've
0: been growing through that, right? Uh, through yeah, we've program. been
2: compliant in the hemp program since 2018, both as a uh, an organic cultivator, certified right. organic, and also as a CGMP audited uh, processor. Those are guidelines for dietary supplement manufacturing. So New York State was the only state uh, that I understand it at this time that requires it, let alone opened up a program based on it. Um, so once they built up, we got conditional cultivators and uh, who grew this season. Uh, now they're they're onboarding some processors who are just beginning to process uh, this this cannabis that was largely grown outdoors on an acre or less. Right, tis the season. Yep, tis be the season now. Part of that big drop besides the regulations, uh, the the OCM and the Office of Cannabis Management there, Cannabis Control Board, they developed these card licenses, which stands for Conditional Adult Use Retail Dispensary, and those really dive deep. Into uh, creating uh, social equity in the supply chain. Um, so on Monday, I, I think it was Monday when they had the OCM meeting, they released the first round. I think it was thirty-six of these licenses, um, and these licenses uh, they're they're allocated by economic development regions, and uh, several of them are on Long Island, um, in all sorts of different regions. We can look through different periodicals, and they'll break. And how it
0: and and social equity? How does that figure into all of this?
2: Yeah. So, what was unique about New York State's card program is uh, they they required somebody to be justice involved. Right. That's so somebody what we were who had been uh, okay. arrested. Um, there was, there was some unique clarifications over time if it went like uh, – if it was dismissed or ACOD, but they had to be justice involved. Uh, they also had to be uh, a partner in a, in a profitable business, I do believe, for like two years or more. And the list kind of goes on. So they had a very specific it's profile. It sort of
0: narrows. Yeah, that's that's a very specific uh, profile, as you, as you mentioned. you
2: know And, and that's the challenge. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of easier – on the cultivation and processing side, where you can say, "All right, we had a program for four years. Right. So let's say somebody who was operating for two years and demonstrated compliance—that's going to cut the field in half." Right. Now, when all of New York wants in, <laughs> um, you know, how do you start to divide it down into into these different buckets and really get the unique candidates? Um, you know, justice involvement is the easiest way to you know associate it with an injustice a social injustice uh, because of the prohibition on cannabis, then obviously if the state is going to prop these up. So the state is also developing uh, a fund of $150, $200 million of private of private and, and public funds that are going to help prop up these dispensaries. So uh, as uh, the CARD program uh, is written, and I understand it, uh, it's partnered with DASNI, the dorm report, Dormitory Authority of New York State, and uh, they're they're out there trying to find locations, secure leases. And as I understand it, this, these funds of 150 to $200 million are going to go into these build-outs and propping up of these card dispensers. Oh,
0: my God. I'm just thinking of the industry alone and the jobs that this will create in the long term. And, and also the effect on us out here as a an agricultural region. You know, uh, you, you, you sort of wonder if some of the farmland that's not in use or is be used or is currently being used for other um you know uh, products might change over i mean will change
2: over you know i i think we saw when when the whole hemp and cbd wave moved through in 18 19 20 right. we didn't see a, a dramatic shift um mm-hmm. We probably will see some some reordering. I mean, mm-hmm. truth be told, uh, the eastern end of Long Island, uh, for, like where my farm is, we're, we're four miles to the ocean and four miles to the bay, and uh, and a humid climate specifically in the fall is not a great place to finish off cannabis plants. Ah. Um, so we'll probably find a lot of the cultivation that's going to happen here further inland. Further inland, but in, in greenhouses and in mixed light facilities. Got it. Um, you know, hopefully as these programs roll out, there's a way for farms to participate in these cannabis programs and put it into their crop profile. Uh, you know, so I've been growing mushrooms, vegetables, all these things. I'd hate to have to give all of that up growing food. And even medicine it, it on the hemp sound, side. It
0: doesn't sound smart, even you know, if you're somebody who is an investor, you know, you want your portfolio to no. be diverse, right? Y- you want Just it to be case. diverse.
2: Uh, you know, we don't want to create negative impacts on our on our on our food supply either, you right? Know, it's, That's uh, true. So yeah, there's there's a real struggle there, and, and to the jobs, you know, there's a balance. Um, so let's let's step back for a little second and. And and we all need to collectively acknowledge. Everybody, take a moment here and acknowledge. We have uh, what I call the, the traditional cannabis market. All right, this has been going on for a long time. Oh right, yeah. And it's not going anywhere <laughs> right, anytime soon, um, for better or for worse. I'm not necessarily advocating for or against it. Again, so I'm just we just have to acknowledge. You're just it's looking a thing.
0: at it f- logically.
2: So now, if we have basically a a business stream this whole supply chain. Um, And then so now we're building up this regulated market where there's going to be more transparency with testing. uh, Tax revenue is going to be collected. uh, Things are going to be more regulated. Uh, You know, the state has required uh, operators to sign LPAs, labor peace agreements. So unions are involved. Um, So to your effect, there's going to be lots of jobs created. But the two models have to reconcile somewhere because they need to be competitive. And so that's a that's. It's creating a lot of problems right now. So to rewind a little bit on our conversation, we have this void. And all over New York State, we have a bunch of these pop-ups. You know, In the beginning, they're in the form of these trucks. Uh, many of those were cracked down on in the form of parking tickets. Uh, there's a lot of these uh, farmer's market-esque kind of style pop-ups with multiple tables. A lot of this is— Well, and
0: I imagine that yeah. the, the void or the vacuum that we mentioned earlier probably makes it problematic as far as prosecuting uh,
2: Oh yeah, you want to bring back after, after you've, in essence, you know, legalized marijuana. Right. All of a sudden, you're going to bring back a heavy hand in the war on drugs, right. and so there's, it's a very difficult position for the state and the regulators to be in as they're building a whole new branch of government and and, and enforcement and regulation, and they're building all of this in real time. Um, so it's, uh, it's right, on, right on
0: the heels of a pandemic, <laughs> right?
2: And uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of challenges. You know, it's a bumpy road. And, uh, and when we look at cannabis nationally, you know, I mean, we read some of the headlines about how California's market was collapsing and, you know, we hear how many of them. I
0: haven't. So tell me. So, yeah,
2: you know, it's a very dynamic thing. I'm not going to say I'm an expert in the space, but it's just, you know, first mover advantage. You know, right. California had a robust medical program. I think at one point one of the governors said, you know, the the best kept secret in California is that everybody's a medical patient. (laughs) And then when it went uh, recreational, you know, a lot more regulations, guidelines, taxation came into place and it really squeezed the margins. And that really drove the traditional marketplace uh, to – and also, as I understand it, there's kind of a bottleneck with not enough retail. A lot of municipalities opted out in the state of California, just like we had this whole opt-out right. uh, leading up to December 31st of our year. So there. And, are, and who do
0: we have? We have uh, Southampton and Riverhead.
2: Riverhead and uh, what's that? Brookhaven.
0: Brookhaven Town. Yeah. Okay. okay.
2: The uh, and so uh, Riverhead, they've passed their their zoning regulations. The week they a week later after they passed their zoning regulations. I, my personal opinion was a little preemptive. Uh, the state finally released uh, released some more guidance in their regulatory package that we've been waiting for. Um, so it's really going to be interesting, this back and forth. I think at this time, though, there's enough guidance and proposed regulation on the table where we can all really start to dig in and start making decisions, even like on this on this local level.
0: Well, um, we'll talk about that more. We're, we're already over time, but there's so much <laughs> more I want to talk about. I want to mention very, very quickly... Uh, Bridget Leroy and Brian Downey just did a documentary about your farm. or what is tell us more about the documentary?
2: yeah, it's it's a, it's a slice in time. you know it's not the whole story. Um, it's, but
0: related to this.
2: Uh, it's It's related to our to hemp and to cannabis and the and the life of a farmer and uh, you know what it's kind of really like. it's a it's a short film. And uh, we really actually look forward to finding a venue where we can do a screening.
0: Oh, I can't wait! So yeah. we'll have you back
2: when it, when it comes it, to to that. You know, it's it really it's it's Bridget's baby. You know, Brian is an amazing cinematographer. Did the edits. It would okay, really be cool. best up to them to speak on it. I mean, you know, like when an artist explains their work on the wall, it jumps to life. Most. Uh, I and my, and my staff, we we were just my team. We were just honored for somebody to think our lives were interesting enough that it should be captured. Oh, of course. You know, it was, uh, an interesting time at yeah. a very interesting time.
0: Well, and you know, more interesting times to come because we, we see the conversation about hallucinogenics opening up across the country as well. Oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, obviously you'd be a good fit in there, uh, being a premier area mushroom grower. 20 Although years. Many, many types of, of mushrooms, uh, to be had. Um, All right, so now on to the main fair, the most important thing, and and something that really is anytime there is a Narcan training that is going on around the East, and I ask somebody involved to come on and talk about it. Um, It's an easy way to save lives, uh, and there have been many lives lost as a result of the uh, opioid epidemic. So, uh, if you don't mind, tell us when this Narcan training is taking place.
2: Yeah, we've done this for a couple of years now. I've worked with Bridget Leroy and um, the, the Sheriff's Department of Suffolk County. Uh, last year, we did this in Bridgehampton. This year, we decided to work with Southampton Village and Jesse Warren. And uh, so Narcan uh, is basically the antidote will reverse an, an opioid overdose.
0: I've seen it happen. I saw it in real time. The one one day, driving past um, the bowling alley in, in Riverhead.
2: Yeah, and... So, in the last couple of weeks, I've been going around town, putting up posters, having conversations, because uh, if we look, actually, some of the most notable overdoses in the last couple of years were are in our food service workers on the North Fork Shelter yes. Island, and you know this is no longer just about heroin that's injectable, snorted, and not necessarily even even pills. You know now with um, fentanyl, carfentanyl, uh, with right. uh, knockoff drugs. And so the more... People don't know. No. They, they don't they know don't. That,
0: that these things are being cut with fentanyl or, and Into whatnot. Into the
2: cocaine. And, and and the more I get around town and talk to people, more of these stories come out that are not the traditional stories. Right. Uh, one of them, for instance, I have a friend. Uh, she owns a liquor store in, in Sac Harbor. And she's put the poster up for the last couple of years. And we're talking. And she's like, you know, like... I. Uh, somebody, uh, I I saved somebody from an overdose uh, a Holy handful of God. years ago. I'm like, what happened? She's like, well, there's a there's a bathroom in the back. And she went to go into the bathroom, and there was uh, she called a a young man, you know, of about 24 years old, uh, unconscious on the floor, still in his gym clothes, wearing the same sneakers her son is wearing, and uh, they're able to you know to call the, uh, the paramedics and the police, and they got there in time, and you know they administered naloxone Narcan, and then they saved his life. So uh, for people. Here's my personal appeal uh, for for people who really want to distance themselves from this issue. Who say, "I don't use, my friends don't, it doesn't directly affect me." I could spend the next two hours here telling stories like this, even personal ones, where it seems indirect. Um, and I and I really ask those people to to come to center and you know warm their hands around the fire of community, so we can and, continue and to sadly, forge these solutions. Sadly,
0: that section of the community is growing smaller every day, because yeah. because every day that goes by. We lose another young person to an accidental overdose, um, and and then you know it ends up being a story of everyone has, know, has been affected. And one way. last
2: quick one on that: uh, early in the year, on the wonderful Facebook, you know, the window into everybody's <laughs> lives.
0: Yes, the Facebook. Uh,
2: I saw my college girlfriend. No, we haven't spoken in twenty some odd years, right. but there was the the sudden and tragic death. And you're like, what's that? I mean, we've all seen this. Let's right. be honest. We've all right. seen this in the papers and the news. And I went up out um, of state where they were a couple months later, and it was, in fact, it was uh, casual cocaine use. Not necessarily somebody was an addict, uh, and they are actually out on a first date, as I understand it, with somebody. Um, so I, I appeal to anybody out there uh, that can maybe relate to having a first date and, and how we may be vulnerable at these moments and maybe make a decision that we normally would but please go down these avenues.
0: Right, or or someone you don't even know. You know, the the person the person that saved the person's life that I saw it happen was another stranger. And yes. you know, these are moments where you're changing an entire family plus story forever. You know, so uh yep. it's important stuff they 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 tend to give you a kit uh, so you can keep it in your car. God forbid you ever need to use it, but thank goodness that you have it if
2: you ever come across somebody. Yeah. So the, the training's about an hour to an hour and a half. Uh, this year, uh, we're, we're holding at the Southampton Fire Department uh, right here on Hampton Road. Uh, that's right by uh, the Southampton High School. It's the newer fire department there. Uh, it's uh, Wednesday, It's this Wednesday at, uh, at 11 a.m. Uh, you can go to Eventbrite and type in the box, we stand aware. Uh, or uh, I apologize, I don't have like a fancy phone number or anything, but I have put some posters all over town. So uh, I will put you- one
0: up right here in the studio, yeah. Fifty One Hill Street uh, in Southampton. If you're driving by, uh, you can see. Uh, you can get all the information. Is there? Is there? A, a, and uh, we'll just go to Eventbrite, right? Yeah, so- you go
2: to Eventbrite. But what I've done, so if you're in the Sag Harbor area, uh, I put a poster up at Grindstone Donuts. Okay. In uh, Bridgehampton Village, there's a poster up in the uh, the Bridgehampton Library. Uh, and here uh, in Southampton Village, we'll have one here at the studio, but also at the public postings out front of Village Hall. Fantastic. And plus other businesses around town. But I, I canvass pretty good. I put up about 40 or 50 posters.
0: Well, we thank you, David Falkowski, for what you do, what you've done, and who you are, David thank you. Falkowski, Open Minded Organics. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was the Monday Meditation underwritten by Parrish Art Museum. Uh, this is Arrows to Athens, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. We
3: smile, like we're supposed to say the lies just like we've been rehearsing. Every night When I hold you Our eyes tell a lie That this is working Cause it's one step forward and two stairs back It's taking these tired hearts way off track We're lying, we're lying Don't matter which way you we're both experts at We're hanging on We're staring at the ceiling wide awake, lying in the bed we made
0: Anderson East to the Apples in stereo. This is Benefits of Lying with Your Friend from her wallpaper reverie record of 1999. Then a nice, what is that, 2020 year uh, hop forward to Hadwin and Maddie Diaz. Uh, their single, Lying from 2019, here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, less than 15 minutes before the NPR news break at the top of the hour. And the end of this edition of The Heart, I want to say thank you to both of our guests this morning, Dr. Allison Elliskew and David Falkowski, as well as our underwriters, Jennifer Benton and the Parish Art Museum, as well as all of you listener supporters of Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLI-WFM.
4: I say falls away like the fade on the radio song and everything I try pass me by. Myself, and there's no one there Sometimes I can see myself I can be myself With a friend now Every day I ride
5: time i love you and i'm not afraid of trying i'm not afraid of trying i wish i was and i hate it because i know i'm really lying i know i'm really lying and it sucks i could lie
6: If I show up at a party And see you with somebody Believe me when I say I'll be fine I won't drink until I'm dizzy Or ask you if you miss me Or hope that you might take back goodbye I'm being honest Baby I promise I don't miss you in my bed I don't hear you in my head I don't love you I'm not crying And I swear I'ma let you know that I've been seeing somebody too. And when she's staring at me, I swear it makes me happy. Cross my heart, I'm telling the truth. I'm being honest, honest. baby. I promise, I don't miss you.
0: Leading you into the NPR news break with one of my favorites, Lavi Sifries, Crying, Laughing, Loving, Lying on WLI WFM. That's
6: why I, I don't cry. That's why
3: Sometimes does somebody Some good somehow That's why
6: never did me no good, no how, no how. Uh, that's why I don't know.